Hey guys, I'm Shay, a three-winged two on the Enneagram that finds her home in Atlanta, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is to create an ongoing conversation about the tensions of following Jesus in today's culture. Join me and many others as we have conversations that challenge and inspire us to follow Jesus in our day and age. This is Just Shayin'. This is Shay, and on this episode of Just Shay, and I have somebody on here that I've been really excited about. Actually, when I started this podcast, I was wrote a list of people that I'd want on here, and he was actually in the top three because I find uh, his social media platform to be amazingly relevant but true to the word, and it's challenging but yet so eye-opening that you're like, I need to read more of this. Um, and so, yeah, so God has used his social media in many people's lives to, I feel like, open themselves up to just think a little bit harder and dig a little bit deeper and not just be so quick to just assume stuff. Uh, and so, yeah, so today I'm going to be talking to Mike Mashiro, and I will, at the end of this, uh, include all of his social media stuff so that you guys can all go follow him. Uh, and I just think he's a great, I don't know, I think he's a great person to follow and listen to. So thanks, Mike, for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm honored to be here. Yeah, and also, you can't see this, but Mike has a killer mustache, and it deserves to be talked about. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Thank you. Yeah, because that's what really matters. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I wanted to bring you on here, Mike, and just share kind of the theme of the podcast currently is kind of what does it look like to follow Jesus in the 21st century? I know that sounds like a hefty question, and it is for many reasons. Um, I feel like we're in this, the middle, I shouldn't say we're in the middle, we've probably always been here, but we're more aware of this idea that we have a generation that doesn't want man-made religion. And so they are pulling out of the church, um, and yet into the church in this awkward way through social media where, you know, I can get online at any time and watch any, any person's sermon I want to. Right. worship I want to right. um, which is there's something so beautiful about that um, that I literally lived overseas for many years and I was like yeah I can go to church here this morning and, and there's something very beautiful about it um, but there's also the other side of it that because there's so many opinions out there culturally that literally we can be bombarded with who knows what and so I love the way that you've used your social media as a platform um, for, yeah, for all the right reasons. I feel like that's Thank a song. You. I don't know if it is. <laughs> but if Taylor Swift takes it, I'm taking credit. <laughs> nice. So if, you, if you don't mind just sharing a little bit like um, where you see we are culturally, what it looks like maybe for you in your own life to follow Jesus in the 21st century. Yeah. Oh, my. What I know, right? Not a big cool. question. So, yeah, that's great. I love that. I love the the question. What a great question. I mean, that feels very relevant to a lot of the things that I talk about, especially in my end of the world. Um, 2019, what an interesting time to be alive. I'm actually really grateful for to be in this time in history. It's such an exciting time to, to live. Like there's so many cool things about living now and then obviously some sucky things as well. But I also see the sucky things, whether it's in the world in general or even in the church, as opportunity, like there's just such a stage for Jesus to show himself strong in all these ways. And, and there's such an invitation for us to cast our lot with him and 
you know, choose him when it's not obvious, when it's not clear or whatever. And there's such a gift and a beauty in that intimacy and a willingness to say yes to him when we don't have all the answers. I love that. I think it's such a, a fun adventure. I feel very invited. <laughs> and I think a lot of people um, probably try to mitigate that on some level. They don't want to, you know, go toe to toe with the Lord because of everything it's going to cost them. But I'm like, man, that cost is so for your benefit. I actually made a post on social on Instagram today about that, the whole like, cost tempering our hearts but following jesus today um i think this has always been true but obviously insanely relevant now when i look at jesus he's so many things right he's our healer he's our savior he's our friend he's he's every he's reality he's the truth he's the way right that's all true um but one thing i see in the humanity of jesus in his nature is he's a reformer uh, he came and just changed the game constantly. He just kept flipping things upside down. And he, I don't think he was trying to do that. <clears throat> and I, I think I identify with him in a lot of ways in that area, because when I'm going after the things that I'm teaching and like trying to instill specifically in my team, but also in ministry and, and other places, I'm not trying to be contrary. I don't want to fight. Believe me, man, it is exhausting to fight people. <laughs> it is like, it's physically draining. Yeah. But, and then the, in the spirit, it takes a toll on you physically. It's so bizarre. I'm still trying to figure that piece out, but I don't want to fight. Like, I think I used to want to fight, you know, when I was like earlier in my ministry, like I just wanted to get on the thing and like go to town and, you know, just destroy lofty things and arguments and ideas that raise themselves up against Jesus. I still have to do that, but I don't want to fight. Um, but when you look at the way that Christians, like what the traditional Christian today relates to scripture and the model of the church that we have now and evangelism and loving your neighbor and whatever, there are some strong fundamental beliefs in their like worldview that are inerrant, sorry, that are erroneous, that are like contrary to scripture from what I experienced with the Holy Spirit in the Bible and what I see Jesus doing. And so um, for me, when if someone actually wants to follow Jesus today, we've got this massive, widespread religion called Christianity, and there are lots of different sects or like branches of that. That you know, like people have their different like comfort zones of it. But I mean, across all of them, there are several fundamental beliefs that we've all like grabbed onto that I don't think we would say in English. I don't think we would separate this specifically. But when I'm dabbling in the spirit of this stuff, I'm like, man, there's stuff that we just propagate and like uphold as values that are not in scripture some obvious ones um, have to do with what we call love and what we call trust and um, what we call healthy and what we call balance like we have strong ideas and beliefs about this that are actually humanistic in nature they're coming from man-made wisdom not from relying on the spirit of god and so a lot of what i go after when i'm teaching is helping people wake up to their awareness and connectivity to separating soul from spirit they're not separate but a lot of people christians included are soulish in their approach to life they judge and perceive and decide what's good or bad right or wrong wanted or unwanted by how they feel what they think or what they want and all that is seated in your soul right and that's not a legitimate litmus test for following god and like following the spirit of life and following the way of jesus when how you feel what you think and what you want are your judgment meters or your triangulation method or whatever you are not going to end in conclusions that god is coming to like he is not trying to cater to those things right he's not trying to fight them but they're just not authoritative there's something deeper to all of us than that and it's our spirit and paul constantly is instructing us to be led by the spirit to be filled with the spirit right 
uh, and not to be like led by the flesh and not to be carnal in our, you know, understanding and our operation and all that. And the soul is such an interesting mechanism. I know I use weird words. I'm just, I try to like find ways to be as explicit as possible. <laughs> no, I love it. Cause like, in my, I'm like over here going in shade terms. It would be like, stop letting your soul counsel your spirit. Yeah, totally. Like uh, Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things I found to be helpful in explaining this is if you imagine your being as a kingdom, your soul, which includes your mind, and in a Western culture, the mind has been elevated to an inappropriate like stature that it doesn't, it's actually set up for failure. And we all like think that our mind is keeping us safe, guarantees us success, protects us from Satan or whatever. <laughs> um, and we have scripture to back it up. Here's the problem. Your mind is not legitimately equipped to, to lead the kingdom. Your spirit is king or queen or whatever, right? Your spirit is the ruler. And then your mind, as well as your emotions and your desires, are advisors. They come to support your spirit, to inform your spirit, to provide information, to relay messages, um, to help provide different perspectives. But your spirit ultimately is the one who should be calling the shots, who is leading the whole gang. And a lot of people have like locked their spirit up in a dungeon somewhere because it's been unruly or untrustworthy or has made mistakes or whatever. And they've put the mind, their mind in the on the throne and put the crown on their mind and gave the ring to their mind and the scepter to their mind. And the, their mind is wearing the robe and their mind is making all the decrees and they're trying to relate to God with their mind. And I'm not saying your mind doesn't have a part to play. It does. I love my mind. It's so important. It's so helpful. It's so necessary. It just can't lead, right? It's supposed to be a supportive role. And so um, when it comes to following Jesus today, I think something that I don't know that I want to be preaching. I don't know that I was like planning on setting out to talk about all this. I just, I do it because I've noticed so many people, right. even in my world, come to me with questions and ideas that are straight up coming from a mental construct that is unspiritual. And so they're trying to shove the Bible and things God is doing into what their mind has constructed. And the thing is, the question is already wrong because it's coming from a limited place. It's coming from the wrong perspective. And so I'm, I'm trying to answer their question. I'm like, listen, I can't just answer your question because what you're where you're coming from, what you're going to do with this is already error. You're putting me in a sinking ship. Like, I don't want to ride this boat. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> we got to get in a different boat. This is not the direction you want to head. This is not where you want to be coming from. And so I'm actually legitimately trying to help people change where they're coming from yeah. in their own perspective and values so they can be asking with the air quotes on this the right questions meaning like they would come at this from the spirit that's a lot of stuff i'm gonna stop talking about that, i think it's in that direction <laughs> no i love it because it's so true because i think it is it's something that like you see it on social media you see it everywhere it's like we are so exalting intellect and that part of seeking and searching but it is unbalanced in the sense of it's we're, it's not coming under the spirit we're trying to put it over the spirit and we do, you miss so much. Like you can be thinking like, yeah, I'm, I'm hitting it. I'm hitting it. And then one day you're like, I missed the whole thing. Yeah. I missed the whole point. The whole point I missed. Right. It's so frustrating because we're seeing a whole generation struggle with that. Yeah. It's totally. So, it's probably one of the biggest struggles, I think, for sure. Yeah, I think that's probably part of why we're seeing a mass exodus or why we saw it already kind of happen already of right. all these like younger people leaving the church box because it's just not meeting them where they need it. Um, there's so much intellectualism and humanism in the church today. I'm not saying that I'm not I'm not trying to be critical. I don't think that we should just throw the whole thing away. But there is a lot of there are some values going on there that like are 
contrary to the kingdom of the Lord. And it's being preached as a value. And I think people are coming from a sincere place. They're trying to give people what they believe is truth. The problem is truth is not subjective. It's not according to their perception. Truth is the Lord. He's a, the truth is a spirit, right? And when we learn how to re rightly relate to him, he guides and clarifies and he provides counsel and wisdom and understanding in whatever season we're in, whatever time in history we're a part of. We can't just lock everything to what the Bible has to say, because without the Holy Spirit, that book is coded. It's, it's yeah. locked, right? You can't understand it. And so um, people having such an immature, like undeveloped understanding of who the Holy Spirit is in their life and their relationship there is not very like established. It's difficult to follow the Lord when you don't know him. You know what I mean? When you turn him into an idea and a lot of people, I see this in supernatural environments as well. People are trained and they're like accustomed to these practices. They treat their mind like God and they call it God and they don't realize they're actually talking about their own soul. And they're saying, well, what did God say? I'm going to ask God what he says about this. And then they actually consult their conscience or they consult their subconscious or whatever. Like they go to something within themselves that's not the Lord and they're regurgitating values or principles. And they're going to try and use that fortune cookie application to find some divine inspiration for a direction they're supposed to go in or whatever, as opposed to relating to the living God. That's a totally different conversation. And I feel like <laughs> it's really important to make that distinction because right. I teach concerning spirits, right? And I preach it all over the world and I teach it in ministry school and all this stuff. I have to have these conversations with people all the time. And I'm running into these soulish Christians who are, you know, have their mind elevated. Ephesians 4 says the spirit of your mind needs to be renewed, meaning what's running the show in your soul needs to change and should be submitted to the spirit of God, not principles, laws, and restrictions you've become accustomed to live within. <laughs> I love that. Like it's, and it is, I think it does. It's that constant, like renewing your mind is all the time. Like even the good things, I was talking to a friend of mine and we were talking about renewing your mind. Obviously we know in the basic isn't just a one-time moment, but we also know like easily it's like, well, renew your mind. These thoughts are kingdom thoughts. So I'm going to renew my mind. But I think sometimes in the church, we have to remember that even our greatest thought, the thing that we know, like, dude, I've learned this, or I know this can also be the very thing that he wants to renew. Totally. Say, actually i want to go deeper here there's a whole nother layer of revelation here mm. that's the part where it's like we're not willing i shouldn't say we i was taught not to say we statements but i feel like it is a we statement like we oftentimes elevate what we think we've already figured out instead of sending it to the renewing process of like god is there more here is there have i made this now a principle that needs to be at the altar and say okay let me renew this Mm, totally. I feel like I just went off too. I'm like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a thing. Yeah, and it is though. It's that thing of like, um, if you focus too much on like, okay, these thoughts aren't my thoughts, but at the same time, these thoughts aren't his thoughts either. Like he's also trying to renew it in positive ways and negative ways. Mm. What do you feel like for you on, in your journey got you to this place of the spirit realm? Uh, yeah, great question. It's, I would say there are a couple of major contributing factors. Um, one of them was I was, as long as I can remember, I've been afflicted with the gift of discernment. Uh, I didn't know that's what it was for most of my early life. Like I didn't discover that I had discernment, like supernatural, the ability to distinguish between spirits until I was 23. Like I didn't believe in spirits until I was like probably 15 and I got saved when I was four, you know, like, 
So it's been a funny journey. Um, and I've kind of felt anthropological in my approach to life in general, because I was born in Guam. My mom is American. My dad is Japanese. So I was raised by two different cultures in a culture that was neither of theirs. So I just had to learn from a pretty young age how to adapt and like learn how to value other people's priorities and learn what motivates them and why they care about that stuff, even though I don't personally identify with that. Right. So that was a huge influencer. But uh, the discernment piece was a big was a big part of it. Um, I could, growing up, I could feel um, other people's emotions. I could pick up the spiritual atmospheres. I could tell people were lying. I could feel the presence of evil. I didn't know that's what was happening to me. I just emotionally shut down or avoided things or whatever. I instinctively like reacted and tried to manage the thing, but I didn't know what was going on. I used to have to go on walks all the time, trying to process emotions that weren't mine. Why do I feel guilty? Why am I anxious right now? Why am I afraid? Why am I so sad? I could not figure out why I felt that way, but I very much was flooded with the emotion And so I spent so many hours of my life on walks trying to process things that had nothing to do with my life. And I had no idea it was because I was gifted. I thought there was something wrong with me. I was so moody, you know, and I I was I was an extrovert. I mean, I loved people and I had such a, a great time when I wasn't being all like, you know, wrapped up in nonsense. Um, and there's an anointing on my life to attract people. People want to be part of what I'm doing. It's been there since I was a kid. And so like, that was always something that was going on. And so to be like, the center of attention on a regular basis and then have to like get out of that constantly because of stuff I'd pick up. I had to learn some stuff at a pretty young age. Some of it I had to relearn, but some of it was super helpful and I still use to this day. So going into the church from that perspective with those things going on was a big, like um, major factor in, you know, how I experienced the Lord in this place and, you know, ended up in the journey that I'm in the other, even bigger, factor in this happened when I was 18 and it continued to happen since um I met Jesus when I was 18 so I got saved when I was four so I wouldn't go to hell right Right. but I met Jesus when I was 18 for the first time or you know like he straight up revealed himself to me and like destroyed everything that I knew and in a beautiful way and you know I changed and he kept showing up and I just was a basket case for like six months I would weep all the time just because Jesus was there and I couldn't protect myself from him and I didn't know he was this beautiful this kind this humble I couldn't handle it and so anyway, since then, it just I didn't realize what was happening, but it reshaped my relationship with what I thought I knew about the world, but specifically the spirit of love. Um, I mean, we're talking about God when we say that, right? But right. there's a nature to him. There is a way about him that is not re- um, submissive to your mind. You don't have, we don't have authority over love, which is so weird. And Christians... <laughs> You know, when in their Christian upbringing, they relate to the idea of love as something that they do. They reduce love to a verb or an action or a choice or whatever. And that is so barbaric. Love is so much more than that. And so when we talk about love, like it's something we can just come up with or we can do or we can affect, we are already deceived. That's not real. That is not how love wow. works. And the Bible, you, when you, especially when you read John, First John, John is such... Oh my gosh, that guy, the way he talks about love, you're like, shoot. I mean, obviously Paul as well. But, um, when he describes our relationship with love and your heart when it comes to love and the response you have to other human beings and the things get implicated because of what would or would not be at play, you realize that love is actually beyond you and you have a relationship with him and you either allow him to move through you and motivate you or you don't. And you either you have love or you don't, you don't get to decide to just do love. It doesn't work like that. Right. And I think a lot of people don't get that. You can hear their crude speech when they talk about love and they think that they're being, you know, Christian and spiritual and they actually sound 
like very primitive and immature and stunted in their understanding of the nature of God. It is way more intimate and way more invasive than something you just toss around in your vocabulary or in your you know concept. Love is God moving us in his nature in a way to express who he is as us to the world in all of the things. And so if he's not there, we're, we're still going to express things, but we just were missing it. Right. And Paul explained like, Hey, you can have a faith that can move mountains. You can have like the gift of prophecy. You can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and not have love. You can do all the Christian stuff and totally miss the guy. Right. Ooh. He's not part of the giving. And that's a big problem. And we, I see that all over and it's such a i don't think people are doing it on purpose i think they just don't know any better it's such a bummer so i've on some level dedicated my life to trying to increase the spiritual intelligence of the planet specifically in how we treat and relate to the lord and then obviously how we then export that to the rest of the world am i answering your question anymore yeah i mean i think (laughs) (laughs) i think you answer questions with like heavy revy so i'm like wait there's like there's so much i can say yeah (laughs) the fact that of what you said of just like kind of like we even as christians have kind of numbed and downplayed that love like we're not responsible for love we can't make it we can't like we can't recreate it and we know obviously the enemy comes to make counterfeits and twist things but I think that's just mind blowing like everything that you said i'm like i'm gonna need to go listen to this podcast (laughs) That's when you know, like, wow, this is this is crazy. But yeah, basically, the question was just, how did you get into like how like the spirit realm for yourself? But you're just sharing that you know you've always been that way. How yeah, did I mean, you I was, feel like, like what was kind of just like part of your story of like going from like feeling all the feels to getting that healthy? Yeah, um, there's that word healthy. Well, you know, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, I went to ministry school in Redding, California. I went to Bethel, Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. Um, Met somebody in school. So actually, sorry, I went to Japan before that and had a mentor there who was spirit-led, but he spoke human, right? Like he could speak English and like relate to me, had a sense of humor. He was down to earth. So I could like, I could get on board relationally because I was pretty soulish back then, right? So he like appealed to my soul and I could connect there and we bonded. And so I trusted him and whatever. Yeah. But he was also very spirit led and um, which was kind of something I just tolerated, you know, and got past in a relationship. But he taught me a few things about discernment that I didn't realize he was teaching me. I mean, it was through like discipleship. He just modeled it, but it definitely like gave me a grid. And so when I went to BSSM and um, met a fellow student who was a few years older than me and she was gifted with discernment in a way that I'd never seen before. I didn't know that was possible. It was, and it was super natural. I was shocked at the things she knew, the way she knew them. I could not figure it out. We fought all the time because I could not just accept that she knew stuff. I wanted her to prove it to me, not because I didn't believe her, because I wanted to understand how she came to these conclusions. But I had enough objectivity to recognize that even though I couldn't trace how her gift worked, I saw the accuracy and the validity of it. I was like, she knows things. I don't get it, but I believe her. This is right. weird. And so I sat under her for a year and a half. She, she mentored me and tu- tutored me and trained me in discernment. And she kept calling me out, like expecting me to know things and to understand things. And I didn't get it because my mind was still so calibrated a certain way. So my mind was being renewed slowly throughout that process. But she constantly like called me out. I was like, you have discernment. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I wanted it to be true, but I couldn't like connect. Yeah. 
And so anyway, at the end of second year, I remember um, we actually had stopped being friends. I walked away. I was like, I need some space. I need to breathe. I need to not think about spirits constantly. I need to not look at everything. And, you know, just some of that stuff was just too intense and exhausting and not productive. So I just walked away for a little bit. And then I had like a 21 day period where I would have this epiphany at random in in the day that this is what's going on in my life. And it was a spiritual like clarifying revelation like this is true and I knew it and the only way I knew it was because of the spirit and then the next immediate thought was oh and then my friend told me this like 10 months ago this is stuff she already told me and it happened multiple times like a few times a day every day for like a 21 day period I don't know why it was that time that span of time but like in that time I started like changing very quickly and the thing is that stuff was already being had been planted and was like germinating and growing and so in that 21 day period it started busting out of me I was like oh my gosh this is true and I started taking risks and ex- like confronting re- my relationships. I stopped lying and pretending like I didn't know what was going on. I stopped acting like I didn't see people's dysfunctions or the delusions or the fantasies they were living under, the manipulation, the control, the deception. Like there was so much nonsense in relationship. And it's true. It's in general, people, when they don't have accountability, they choose heinousness and the enemy goes to town. And these are Christians, you know what I mean? Let alone like the world. And it was all over. And so in that time, I finally decided, you know what, if this is real, and I am accountable to what I know. I can't just keep pretending like I'm not aware of this stuff. So I started like saying no, which was terrifying because I worshiped my relationships. I needed people to love me. I needed them to accept me. I needed them to think things of me. So I manipulated them by pretending to be something I wasn't. And like, I was just so agreeable. I was the nicest dude you'd ever met. I was funny. I was smart. I was gifted and charismatic and so nice. And that niceness was a prison. It was ruining my life. And because it wasn't, it was insincere. It wasn't genuine. It was because I was afraid of what people thought of me. It wasn't because I liked people. I mean, I like people, but that wasn't my motivator, you know? Anyway, so I started letting go of that, which was a test in my life that I was so afraid of. Because I, the genuine belief I had back then, Shay, was if I stopped catering to other people's opinions and viewpoints of me, I wouldn't have friends anymore. Right. Like I wouldn't actually care about me because my self-worth was so bottomed out. I didn't actually believe I had value. And so if I didn't like trick and wow people and people and impress them, they were going to leave and I wouldn't have friends. That was the genuine threat. And you guys you have to realize like when you're going to trade with the Lord and like let go of what the enemy has been used, like doing in your life, he's going to threaten you. He's going to come at you with all these beliefs and fears and like, like promises. If you do this, if you trust God here, this is going to happen to you. Like, you know, it's not in English. You don't think it's the enemy. You think it's you. You think it's truth. You think, oh God, that's going to happen to me. And so I had to choose past that fear. And thank God I had the guts somewhere along the way. There was grace for me to choose past it. And it changed my life. And so as I started confronting those dynamics around me, I started seeing people's lives change pretty dramatically. I mean, people kept saying the same thing to me. They're like, no one's ever told me this before. I know exactly what you're talking about. And right now, all these memories are flooding my mind of that very thing. And I never knew what to do with it. And I was like, and people kept saying the same thing. I'm like, I was like, is there like a script that's getting handed to people? Like, why are they all responding the same way? It's so weird. But it's, I think I started poking at and uncovering things that no one in the church was talking about. Or if they were, they were somewhere else. Like, we didn't know these people. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't meet them. Thankfully, I ran into somebody at BSSM who was doing this. But, you know, like, I, we don't have a lot of that going on. So I started kind of pioneering, I guess, because I didn't see it around me. How do you have these conversations? How do you address this stuff in dynamics, in relationships, in intimacy, you know, um, in your own heart? And then how do you walk that out? uprightly and in the light how do you like how are you honest and also opposing of evil in your relationships in people's lives like and that's like a question of the hour people don't know how to do it how do you actually like stand up what's true and not hurt people's feelings and i'm like yeah 
you're going to have to like make some choices here, you know, and it really just boils down to the beliefs and we choose to align ourselves with our relationship with the truth or people pleasing or whatever. Right. So anyway, sorry, I think I'm getting lost again, but um, no, it's so good. I'm more than fine with calling this episode. Mike gets lost. (laughs) 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 I'm totally totally fine with that. It's so, cause it's so, I feel like there's so many people out there that are in all the feels and they don't know what to do with the feels. Oh man. Yeah. So like, how do you like, how do you submit all your feels to the truth? But still, cause they're feels, right? Oh, oh they like, are. Like, and how do you do that currently in your life? And I, I, that's like a huge question. I feel like. <laughs> okay. I'm going to, I'm going to try to answer that here, but I'm going to answer it with a disclaimer first. Yeah, that's um, great. We don't, we probably don't have time in this episode to get into all this, especially to the degree that, especially even people listening are going to want to hear it. So, sure. so I'm going to send them to your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, through my podcast. I mean, my, my website, mikemyashiro.com, there are resources on there. I taught discerning spirits. I made a course out of it. Um, so, I mean, check out the resources. That's probably a better way to get these answers than just hoping that you get all of it out of this episode. If this sure. is like stirring something in your heart, you guys just check out the website. There are tools and resources there. I have a whole crew of people working with me. We're trying to create content and resources and language around this whole subject because it's not being taught. So we're just trying to do what we can. I don't think I'm the, the authority on the matter. I don't think I'm the expert here. I just think I'm saying things that people aren't saying. And I'm probably like, I've spent more time and energy. I mean, I've spent a lot of time. <laughs> And a lot of energy in this area. So I have a lot more to say, probably. I'm not trying to like assert myself as, you know, the guy, but I think I do have something to say that is valuable. And I've seen a lot of breakthrough and fruit yeah. for people. So that's a nice giant safety net. You don't get what you want from this. Go check out that whole, uh, there's a ton of stuff you can, you can check out. Um, so as far as like having the feels and then how do you manage that? I'm trying not to get super complicated here, but you but I'm going to be complicated. <laughs> I mean, you got to look at the foundation yeah, of like how this sure. even works. Your feelings, your emotions are there to tell you a message and your emotions come from your judgments, right? And a lot of us Christians like to lie to the world and say that we don't have judgments. So we don't judge people. And that's not true. Shut not up. True. I just want to say that to all the Christians who are like, I don't judge anyone. I'm like, that, you're, what you're basically telling us is you are deluded. You've lied to yourself for so long. You've now just bought the lie. You just drink the Kool-Aid that you made. And it's not real. Anyway, that's not true. We judge people all the time. Should we? It depends. Here's the thing. The gift of discernment is the supernatural ability to judge. Not to judge people, but we do judge the spirit of a thing. The gift of discernment is to separate good from evil. What spirit is in operation? What is it doing? Where is it going? What is it trying to accomplish? What do we do about it? Discernment can sniff that stuff out. Okay. So people who are gifted in discernment have such a vexation in the church because we're taught not to judge people. And yet we have the supernatural ability to judge, right? Not, and we don't want to judge them, but we do want to judge the things that they're partnering with that are in operation in our environment. And I partially should repeat that. We are not called to judge them. We're called to judge the spirits that are operating in them. Yeah. We're not called to judge them. That needs to be, that's just a little friendly (laughs) mic drop. Yeah. Right. Nice. Yeah. You guys, we don't judge people. We don't judge God's kids. But we do judge their agreements. We separate them, right? And some people don't know, they don't have the emotional intelligence or the relational capacity to recognize the difference. And so that needs to grow up first. But we need to separate what people have chosen from who they are. And we love and accept and embrace and celebrate who they are 
and we condemn and oppose their agreement with evil. We never celebrate or accept or approve of that nonsense. That's craziness. And it's actually for their benefit. We are advocating for their real person by saying no to the devourer in their life, whatever it is, whatever form or shape it's taken, whatever argument, whatever ideal, ideology, if it's coming from Satan, we say no to it. Like, no, that's not true. I don't agree with that. I can't celebrate. And there's all kinds of ways to oppose that stuff, right? It doesn't have to always be in English. There, you know, there's like, there's a whole martial arts world to how you can adjust and respond to and oppose that stuff. You know what I mean? Seriously. Um, and a whole section in my discerning spirits course called opposing evil. And we get into those dynamics and like, how do you go about it or whatever? Anyway. So, um, you do have feelings obviously. Right. And like, sometimes your emotions are going off because you're picking up something that shouldn't be happening. You know, it's coming from your awareness of, Hey, evil's happening here. And I don't know why she just told me they love me. And yet I feel violated. Why is that? You know, and it's because like your words are not complete in and of themselves. They are always a vehicle carrying spirit. Our words come from spirit. They're coming from something that's motivating us in, from the unseen realm all the time, constantly. And so when someone is saying something to you, yeah, we listen to the English itself. And those of us who are intellectually driven and rely on our mind heavily to understand things, we only listen to the vocabulary. We only listen to the English they're using. But if you are led by the spirit and then if you have discernment going on, you are not just listening to the English. You are listening to the spirit behind it. What is motivating this thing? Where is it coming from? What are they actually saying to me? I have so many times where people are asking me a question. The English is okay, but they're not quite asking what they want to asking what they want to ask in the with the language they have, and so I often have to try and get past what they're saying and try and speak to why they're saying it, right? And so people who are watching this who didn't ask the question, I've had people on my team who are like, I don't know how you do it. I'm like, what do you mean? Like people ask you a question and you don't answer it but they leave satisfied. I'm like, what do you mean? Answer the question. Like, no, what they asked you and then what you told them were not, they didn't relate. And I was like, oh, okay. And I just, after enough feedback, I was like, okay, I think that's because I'm responding to where I can feel they're coming from. And the English is just the only way they know how to try and convey it, but they don't understand how to ask what they're asking. It's because you learn how to listen to the spirit right behind the thing. Wow. We see in the new Testament, we see Jesus, we see Peter, we see Paul, operating in discernment but the bible doesn't explicitly describe to you hey this is discernment you just see these guys being supernatural but that's happening all the time yeah. jesus constantly was speaking to people they would ask him a question and he would say something that seemed totally unrelated you're like what is wrong with this guy like jesus is supposed to be awesome and i don't get it he sounds crazy <laughs> he sounds harsh he sounds totally disconnected like where is he he sounds like a lunatic right but I, at this point i'm like oh he's not crazy Jesus is responding to the spirit of the matter. And so when he says things that seem totally unrelated to your intellectual filter, you just have to recognize there's something else going on. And if you're willing to like pull up that thread, there's a whole other narrative going on. And Jesus is speaking to this, the heart, right? And it says like, it's explicitly spelled out sometimes Jesus like responds to what was going on in their heart. They didn't say it out loud. They reasoned in their heart or like they accused him in their heart or whatever. And then he spoke to that. And you're like, what? And you think that's a Jesus thing. It's like, no, no, that's a discernment thing. That's Jesus operating in the gifts. You know what I mean? That's real. It's happening today. It happens all the time. You know what I mean? And I'm not trying to like make it not special. It's totally special, but it's not as far away and as esoteric as people tend to think. We just, you know, got to learn how to practice that stuff. So anyway, my point is the emotions that are coming up are coming from the judgments that we've already made about life and people and whatever. And so their emotions are triggering like, hey, my judgment is getting violated here. Right. And so when you're feeling those things, we want to, first of all, figure out where is it coming from? Is this coming because they're evil in operation or am I offended? Do I have something on my end that's, you know, contrary to the truth? And now the truth is offending me. Like you want to figure out, first of all, 
whose side are you on? You know what I mean? Like, and you don't want to just like try and convince yourself that you're on the, the side of the Lord because you might not be. And if you're not, you want to recognize that, not defend your false position, right? And people need humility and a value for the truth in order to even consider that. But the Bible describes two different kinds of people, lovers of truth and haters of truth. And they both have their walks of life, right? And sometimes we love truth and sometimes we don't, depending on the motive or the intention we're walking in, right? Wow. So you got to get that stuff sorted. And then from that place, the stuff will spill itself out. You know what I mean? It'll reveal. As long as your heart is submitted to the truth and you're willing to know the truth, that stuff yeah. will be exposed to you. No, that's... <laughs> Again, I love it. Lost, but I love it. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's, don't apologize at all. Like, it's so mm-hmm. good. It's just so, like, you're putting verbiage. And that's what I love, like, I love about, like, your Instagram and all the videos you make is that you put verbiage to things I think people are trying to say mm-hmm. or trying to ask the questions. And you're like, here, I can discern what question you're trying to ask. Here's the answer. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh. That's exactly what I was trying to get to, but I didn't know how to ask it, whether Mm. it's insecurity or fear or whatever may be coming out unintentionally, the the abundance of their heart and being on the wrong side of the track is coming out. And it's Mm. so, yeah, you, you word it very beautifully. Um, We have a, like, we're going to try to land a plane, but I wanted to ask this question, um, I know I hate landing planes. It's like the worst part of the podcast. (laughs) Um, But I wanted to ask like, as like a leader and as pouring into a team and being carrying the gift of discernment, like how do you lead knowing that you have the gift of discernment and like, yeah, as a leader, like how do you keep that thing in check? How do I keep my gift in check? I don't know. I don't even know the right words. <laughs> I need you to discern my question. Yeah, right, totally. <laughs> yeah, because you're saying like, how do I lead my people without them being exposed and feeling like... Yeah, or yeah, how do you create a safe place? Obviously, it's your own health and checking in on yourself, having people over you speaking into your life. I guess that's kind of what I'm asking is just like, what does it look like in Mike's life, having people pour into him? People that are ahead of you while you pour into people that are under you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess um, we're landing a plane. Oh my gosh. I'm going to try and like keep this in land. You don't have to land. I mean, I'm cool with soaring. I don't mind turbulence on the occasion. (laughs) Nice. Okay. Well, if the oxygen mask comes down, let's just go to town. Um, When you learn from mentors, people, and I've had the privilege, and I'm so grateful in hindsight of having had people disciple me, right? Certain spiritually intelligent, discerning, wise leaders who personally invested into me. We had a relationship. They were consistently in my life. They spoke into things. They saw things that I couldn't see, but like, that's a gift. Oh my gosh. There's so many people who don't have that. And I'm like, I don't know. I definitely would not be where I am today if I hadn't had that those successors of, of, mentors to speak in my life it started um i had some mentors before i went to japan but when i went to japan and met dave like he changed my life like having that guy in my life and, and he's still a mentor to this day he's a spiritual father to me then going to bssm and having my friend you know mentor me into starting a spirits for a couple of years and then i got hired on staff at bethel and worked in the events department and i had my boss was a spiritual mentor to me as well for six years she's a spiritual mom to me changed my life i mean the woman is a prophet but also scary gifted and discernment and so accurate it was shocking and so she taught me a lot of like protocol and especially like how do we relate to royalty and how do you lead and how do you cover people's hearts and 
I had a grid for that already. The Lord was definitely mentoring me before any of these people, but they definitely gave me the human like language and execution and practice for how do you lead on a big greater scale, you know? So I did a lot of one-on-one stuff and learned how to like cover people there with the Lord. Cause I didn't have a mentor back then. And he showed me a lot of things, believe it or not, like God is a legitimate father. Like he does do it. Yes. So some people can use that as a scapegoat. And I don't mean that I'm not talking about like, I didn't have, I didn't want that. Uh, I didn't want a spiritual father. That's why I'm just using God as my excuse to be rebellious. It wasn't that like the Lord legitimately fathered me because I didn't have anyone around me who could teach me what I needed to learn with what I was gifted in at that time. Um, Anyway. And then these people came along. So what you have to understand though, is when you're being mentored by these people and they actually, you let that, what they're teaching you change, what you know is real and you hold to their teaching. Like Jesus described, Hey, if you hold to my teaching, then you're really my disciples. It's then that you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free in the same way, when we relate to our leaders, if the spirit of the Lord is moving through them toward us and we allow what they're instructing us or guiding us or guarding us in to inform what we actually believe about the world we're in and about ourselves, and we walk in it, that instruction goes with us for the rest of our lives. So there are things that Dave and Lindsay and Deborah taught me that still teach me to this day, even though they're not necessarily speaking in that place anymore, right? I mean, they are, but it's like not as frequent or as aggressive or whatever, <laughs> but it's still there because your soul takes shape and form according to the spirit that you're of, right? And so as the spirit of your mind gets renewed and your desires and your thought processes and your emotional state starts to like bend to a certain nature and pathway, it's according to the spirit that you submit yourself to that all those things take shape. And so I've learned from, you know, those years of practice and discipline or whatever, like how to manage my own emotions when it comes to me picking up stuff from other people. And then obviously when I'm leading a team, I mean, confrontation is a huge value on my team because you can't live in the light and you can't walk in the truth. If you're not willing to say no to to evil, you can't separate people's agreements from who they are. If you can't do that, you don't get to have actual intimacy with people. You have like a fake McDonald's version of that. You know what I mean? It's such a bummer and you can't build with that stuff. So I have a huge value for authenticity and my whole team has, everyone gets to go through their learning curve. How do you actually walk this out? How do I do this without being an a-hole? How do I do this without losing my friends? How do I do this without like exposing nasty things from my own heart? Right, they all get to work it out. It's hilarious to watch them go through it. But um, as that protocol and that culture is established, it actually kind of vets itself And it becomes a lot easier to submit to the spirit of the Lord because you don't posture yourself as an expert anymore. You realize, like, I don't know this. I need to be led. And from that humble posture, grace is released. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And you have this supernatural ability to step into things you don't know how to do yourself. And the culture helps kind of seed the way. So as a leader, um, people are used to me calling things out. I'm not harsh. I'm not cruel. I'm usually pretty invitational because I find the Lord to be that way. So I'm not like, Hey, you're doing this or Hey, this, I sense the spirit in your life. I rarely ever say that stuff. I'm like, Hey, what's going on here? Hey, what happened here? Hey, why did you say that? What did you mean by that? Hey, what's, and I'm not like, why'd you do it? I'm like curious an invitation. I legitimately am not passing judgment on it yet. I'm open, but I can, my sniffers going off. Like I smell something weird. So I'll ask and I'll invite them. And sure enough, out of the intimacy and mutual respect and trust that we have, they're not afraid to share those things. And when that stuff gets exposed, they don't get punished. You know what I mean? Like I don't, this is like punish them for that thing being there. I'm like, Hey, that sounds like this. It feels like this. It seems like that's what's going on here. And like, yeah, that's true. And usually they have a pretty like quick turnaround time of recognizing it. So as a leader, I think my biggest answer to that is I I think I've created a culture around me where people have a value for it and are willing to submit themselves to accountability. Right. Um, And from that place, I don't have to whip or punish or control anyone. I don't want it. I refuse to do that. But from that mutual 
um, submission to each other, the Lord gets to participate. And when I say things that are true to them, it's not because of my authority and who I am in their life. It's because of our friendship with God that brings the conviction. It's his kindness that leads them to the repentance. Right? I'm not doing it. I'm simply playing my part of saying no to evil, saying yes to who they are, expecting them to be that person, consistently holding that standard. And from that place, the Holy Spirit gets to ride on that whole exchange and life is produced. <laughs> That was a phenomenal answer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I love well, I love that because I feel like that should what that should be like healthy culture. Like that should be healthy, thriving mm. culture. It's just like invitation. Like Jesus gave gave invitations all the time. Yeah. I love the way that's yeah, that's so good. I I have like seven thousand other questions, but <laughs> I'm like, these people don't have seven thousand other <laughs> hours. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I'm going to ask you if you would just pray however Holy Spirit would lead you. Um, I love just your wisdom, like your wisdom, just this depth and this this beautiful way to articulate like what God's done in you, what he's doing in you and this ability to share it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, because I know you even have like, is it NUMA? Is that correct? Like schools and things like that. Like just like you have outsourced yourself to be like, I will do whatever it takes to duplicate what he's doing in me. And mm. I love that. I Thank absolutely you. love that. Thank so, yeah, you. if you wouldn't mind just um, praying, and then I'm going to ask you the question that I ask everybody, and we'll end it. Great. All right. Yeah. Holy Spirit, thank you that you lead us into all truth. God, thank you that you want us to seek out and search out the glory you've hidden. God, thank you that you've set us up for success, that you have not left us as, as orphans, that you have um, so seeded the path with victory, with overcoming, with reward, with pleasure, with delight, with joy. God, thank you that this isn't hard. Thank you that discernment is not far away. It's not scary. It's not difficult. That you've legitimately, supernaturally equipped us to say no to what the enemy wants to do. And we just simply get to disagree with him. And we established your kingdom by just agreeing with who you are. We love how simple and easy you've made this, God. Thank you that your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. I break off anxiety and fear and control. God, thank you for... um, releasing your peace in our hearts for leading us down this road as an adventure, something that we're invited into, that we're equipped with. God, that you have the answers that we seek, that thing inside of us that's causing us to want to ask more questions. God, thank you that those questions are there because there are answers. And God, thank you that we're not alone in that. So I bless every person listening to this. You guys, I bless your journey, that you would find the answers that you seek, that you would not settle for the best that humanity has come up with when it comes to Christianity, that you would go after what the Lord intended, what he has for you, that you would like say yes to the, the authentic kingdom of God advancing in this world, that it's real. There's more than this. Do not settle for formula and structure and programs. That man's going to do their best to keep up, but that you would go after the heart of the Lord, that you would relate to the living God. I command your path in front of you to be straight in Jesus' name. And we declare that the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That was awesome. Um, so I have a question that I ask that I share with you when we first started um, is in this season of your life, if you could have any three people at one table, um, who would they be? And I'll just go ahead and say it. Cause I have to say it every episode. Jesus is already there because <laughs> this is everywhere. Yeah. He is the table in which we <laughs> Totally. <laughs> I'll just make it extra cheesy. Um, but yeah, like who are three people? It could be current. They can be alive. They can be not alive. They could be, um, yeah, anyone um, in their assortment of people. All right. Man, there's so many people for so many different reasons. Depending on the conversation, it would so change. But I'm going to go this route. 
um, especially on the subject of reform, reformation, right? And being reformers, I would choose Martin Luther King Jr. Let's pop him at the table. I would choose Abraham Lincoln. I want both those guys there. And then the third person, I would probably either have Gandhi or Taylor Swift. I'm not sure which. Taylor Swift. (laughs) Yeah. I have this really funny, strange, peculiar fascination with Taylor Swift. I love what she's doing with her career and in the industry that she's in. And just, you know, it's such a fascinating journey. So obviously she would not necessarily fit at that table and she'd have some funny contributions. And I'm sure she'd have some great stuff to share. But I I mean, I just want to understand her better i think there's such an interesting thing going on there and her decision making has been such a funny like that's funny fascinating thing to observe and watch i started following her after 1989 ever since then, i've just been so intrigued i don't know why i don't i still don't understand it but martin luther king jr abraham lincoln you got these guys changed the country like that's crazy they legitimately reformed a culture and what they had to go through and the things they had to navigate i would love to just like pick their brains and like hear their hearts and experience what they were tapped into and yeah, I just that would be such an interesting, fascinating, fun conversation. That would be amazing. And then you throw Swifty in it, and I'm like, <laughs> totally going to be a number one song written about. <laughs> right, exactly. She's going to have to commemorate that experience with a song for sure. That's awesome. I love it. She'll be like, yeah, I'll totally join this. She'll bring her guitar and just be like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's write a song about it. I love it. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Mike, for coming on, and thank totally. you for sharing um, your heart. And just thank you for the life that you live. And just know that it is... Um, it is amazingly influencing culture. Thank you. Uh, not yeah, only thank you in the Click. natural, but in the spirit realm, which mm. is really cool. So thanks so much. And everyone, thank you for tuning in. And I will have Mike's social stuff all over so you can go follow him and check out all the cool things that he's doing. Yay. Hey, woo woo. Bye, guys. Bye.